Hey everybody, it's your Ep Percussion Podcast, episode 312. I'm Casey Cangelosi, and with me are some of the usuals, the very famous, well-known, needs no introduction, Ben Charles. What's up, Ben? Hey, Casey. <laughs> you, you if you don't know Ben, you've been living under a rock. It's good to be famous. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> also, Tracy Wiggins is here. What's up, Tracy? I'm not famous, but I'm doing well. <laughs> We are in our, we just finished our first week of school. So, wow, you're back already. Yep. We're back and in person. Okay. Are you, uh, uh, are you okay with that? You opposed? Um, somewhat both. Yeah. Because I, let me see if I can say this without getting in trouble. Um, <laughs> we've done really well being in person to this point. But it was with things in place that are no longer in place. Right. Yep. Gotcha. Of course. Of course. Well, um, I don't know. Everyone's got their predictions um, about whether we're going to go back virtually or not. And I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth discussing or putting our predictions out there. But uh, we're definitely going to talk to Paige a little bit. And I'm sure she's going to... uh, tell us a little about COVID and what it's been like on a cruise ship here and there. But first, I have to tell you all about uh, music history. We're releasing on January 20th. And what happened today was a significant birthday, Alexander Tripnin. He is one of a handful of composers we talk about when we talk about the genesis of percussion ensemble. And when we do finally get to say in music history, in the beginning, there was percussion ensemble. We talk about Alex Tripnin. Um, we talk about Rodin, the, the French-Cuban Rodin and French composer Verez and Mexican composer Carlos Chavez. So Tripnin wrote a symphony in 1927 in which one movement was a percussion ensemble. And that's the earliest of this set of pieces where you know, percussion is on the main stage as a percussion ensemble uh, alone. And so it's Tripton in 1927, it's Rodin, the Ritmicas in 1930, it's Varese ionization in 1931, and it's Chavez in 1942. Although John Cage was in discussion with Chavez about that piece um, earlier than that in the in the 30s, but it, the piece wasn't completed until 42. Uh, a couple of fun things. Uh, Tripton also has Opus 58, which is called Sonatina for Timpani. And that's first happened for timpani and piano in 1939, but there's also orchestra version and a band version. So little concertos for solo timpani. And something I thought that was kind of interesting is a standard that was played a lot when I was a kid was three designs for three timpani by Robert Muschinski. I don't know if anybody's ever played that one. Uh, Tracy's nodding yes, but that was probably the first, um, one of the earliest timpani solos I ever played. And Robert Muchinski was a student of Tripnin. So I thought that was interesting that Tripnin has this focus on timpani, which of course, to composers at that time, timpani is probably like the most familiar percussion instrument. You know, timpani has been the, uh, really the only standard percussion instrument in symphonic literature, uh, you know, almost up until that point. I mean, certainly the bulk of percussion playing has been timpani playing in in history up to that point. So I thought it was interesting to discover that Muchinsky was a student of Tripnin's and we have that timpani solo. Uh, One other thing that's fun, 
is that when Tribnan died, he had two unfinished symphonies, and apparently one of them would have been entirely percussion alone. And if you want to read more about that, which I think this is a dissertation project waiting to get jumped on, it is complete that symphony and finish it and take the uh, compositional devices and tendencies that have been written there and finish it and make a complete piece. But for further reading on that, you would want to read Alexander Tripman, a biobibliography by Enrico, Enrique Arez. Uh, or sorry, Enrique Arias. I'm probably not saying that well, but th that is the book where you'd find that stuff. So that's what happened today in history. Happy birthday to uh, yeah, Alexander Tripnin. Ben, did I? Yeah, I was going to add. I, I uh, when we learned this name in percussion literature, I, I it wasn't until I saw it written that I actually understood what the name was. Cherepnin, T C H. E R E P N I N. So if you yeah. look that up. Um, nice. But I just, I was going to add that uh, Casey mentioned all these early percussion pieces. And I think it's worth mentioning that, like, there's maybe a reason that there are multiple pieces that can claim they're the first percussion piece. So the scherzo of Trautmann's Symphony Number no. One uh, is for percussion alone, but it also involves the string section knocking on the body of their instrument. So it is a percussion instrument, but it's being played by string players in the symphony. And then in 1920, uh, excuse me, 1928, uh, and maybe premiered in 1930, it looks like uh, Shostakovich wrote his opera, The Nose. And there's a movement of that for percussion alone, but it's part of a larger work, not a standalone work. Then uh, Rolodon wrote the two Rhythmicas, which were standalone works, but in a suite of pieces. And then after that was Verez Ionization, which is the first like complete standalone, no gimmicks, uh, full percussion ensemble piece. So yeah, that's the the early four. Yeah, right. And th there's always like something wrong with them that makes it and you can't quite say like, yes, that is the first percussion only thing. Yeah. Like even Verez, it's like, well, there's piano in it. So it's not good. You know, there's like always something little tidbit that's wrong with them. And I think it's why it's a fun um a, a fun exam question which i might have asked our guest i don't remember but like what and why is what's the first percussion ensemble because it's like it's not there's not a clean cut answer to that yeah well i, I think that's that there's no clean cut answer because no one sat down and said i'm going to invent this it just sort of happened as part of a symphony or a movement of an opera or something like that yep yep yeah well said for sure for sure well hey moving on y'all our, our guest today she pretty much taught me everything about the percussion program at the job I have here at JMU because she was a student when I got hired there and she continued to do her master's degree there with a full ride teaching the, uh, the battery uh, for the marching band. And she's gone on to do awesome, and really cool things. And right now she's joining us from a cruise ship docked somewhere in uh, Los Angeles Harbor. And uh, it's, it's Paige Durr. She's, she's here with us. How's it going, Paige? It's going good, going good this morning, yeah. So so where are you? Tell us a little bit about, like, what is this job you have right now? Fill us in. Yeah, so right now we're docked outside of L.A., um, just looking through the porthole. Uh, we got here this morning, so right now on Sundays, all the guests that were here last week disembark, and then starting at, like, 11 a.m. noontime, um, all the new guests come on. Right now we're cruising down to Mexico. So we'll go down to like Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and then we'll like speed back up for a day in Ensenada and then back to LA and rinse and repeat right back and forth. 
Awesome. 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 What, what is a typical week like? I mean, you have the gig. I wanted to invite you on because you have the gig that I think a lot of people are interested in. It's like they, yeah. they I mean, who the heck wouldn't want to go live on a, a cruise ship and play a drum set in a musical? Like, like what's a typical week like for you there? Yeah, I definitely would say I have like the job, like the cushiest part of working on a cruise ship right now because I only do one musical and we only work two days a week. So we do our two shows, we have a rehearsal uh, and then we'll do two shows. And then the next day we will do either one show or two shows again. And then we have the whole rest of the week off to hang out. Um, there's also another another show that we have Jersey Boys on as well. So then they'll do the other shows in the week. There's also sometimes guest entertainers on. Um, and then sometimes there's like a magician or comedians also in the theater, but otherwise, yeah, I do my, my four shows a week and then I'm kind of done. Lots of hanging out. Um, the, the cast members have it in their contracts that they have to work out five hours a week. So we hang out at the gym a lot. Um, we are in a full costume, makeup, hair and everything. So like we also do need to sh stay in shape for the show and everything so that uh, we can still fit in our costumes because there's obviously a lot of great food on the cruise ship. I was, I was going to say, like, what, what's the arrangement as far as... I, I've never been on a cruise, but I, I know, you know, if, as a passenger, you can, um, you know, you can just be on the cruise, but then you can um, spend a lot of money doing uh, just eating. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, what's that arrangement like as an employee? Yeah, we have special privileges because we are the theater show. So we have what's called a yellow card. Um, a lot of the employees have a white card, so they have to stay in crew areas and in crew areas only. But because we have the special privileges, uh, we can eat in any guest area and we can eat in the free restaurants. We have a handful of free restaurants and then they'll, they'll never say no to take our money. So if we want to go spend money, they'll take our money. <laughs> How often are you sober? Uh, a lot right now because they took away our, our crew prices for alcohol. So I'm not paying $30 for a bottle of wine. Mm -mm. I understand. <laughs> ben, I think you have something, probably more serious question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, try me. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a friend that, that did a cruise ship gig and I was, I was unfamiliar with the whole process. And I was asking him like, what are things that were unexpected? Uh, what are things that, you know, that you thought would be the case that weren't? Um, and the thing that he said to me, and it sounds like you're maybe doing a, a shorter, smaller cruise, but he did a, a worldwide cruise. And he said the thing that he wasn't expecting is that uh, who goes on, who has the money and the time to go on cruises? Old people. What do old people do? Die. Yes. <laughs> so he was like, I was not expecting that amount of patrons to die on the cruise. But are there any uh, unexpected things that you've encountered in your experience? Uh, well, there's a lot of unexpected right now just because of COVID. Uh, they're being pretty strict with us. And it's unfortunate because they're not really being strict with the guests. So, you know, we basically have lost all of our privileges, um, but the guests don't even have to wear masks. So it's like, you know, our crew keeps getting sick and we're getting like shipped off to another boat to isolate and stuff like that. And then the guests can do whatever they want. So it's it's kind of shocking that they like, they care so much that they're not even like willing to protect us really at all. Um, but yeah, and then I did some trainings. We had a medical training and they talked about, yeah, we had like five heart attacks last week. Like the, the old people thing is very true. Like hmm. they're dying on the boat. There's a morgue on every boat. Like, 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there would have to be. Um, Tracy, what do you got there? Yeah. So you mentioned that you only play like you guys only play like two days, a, two days a week or whatever with your show. But when they bring other artists on and everything, is your band ever asked to do anything with those or are they all just independently bringing in everybody that they need as they go? Yeah. So right now it's not in my contract. It's actually in the Jersey Boys Band contract that they have to do all guest entertainment. Um, but a couple weeks ago, we had a Stevie Wonder impersonator on, and I wanted to play that. And the drummer for JV originally said no, but then he got sick, so I got to play that. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, well, and, yeah. and you're like, this is what they talk about, like foot in the door. Like already, it's making sense. Like, okay, you have this gig, but I didn't even it didn't even occur to me. Like, oh, there are other musicals on the show. Like already, like you're you have you probably have a network, you know? Yeah. And, and, and one of my questions was, um, um, go out of order a little bit here, but like, well, how'd you get the job? You know, I think I'd love for people who are interested in listening to, to know like, okay, where do I start? How, how can I end yeah. up there? I actually started looking on playbill.com. They have a whole musician's job listing section. And I knew after I moved to Texas and I was teaching for a while there, that I kind of wanted to leave and I knew that musicals and just something else and I wanted to get back into performing. That's really what I wanted to do. So I looked on there and people also had sent me some links for like a Cirque du Soleil opening. So I auditioned for both and then I got six and you know, I've seen other postings on playbill.com. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, and it tells you what region it's in, well, like what state or anything and who to contact. So I just sent a video and then they got back to me and then they were like, okay, send us more videos. And I was like, okay, I'll send you more. And then they were like, okay, we're interested. So here's this like encrypted file. You have 24 hours to do all of these site readings. I had to like site read like seven different tunes. They wanted like 15 different drum set grooves, some solos, things like that. And then I'm like freaking out because my computer is about to explode trying to submit like this export, this hour and a half long video of all these tunes I had to site read. And then they like called me, had a phone interview, and then I got the job. So it, that's so cool, and it just like it, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like that long ago that you know you were here and and you were a student. And I, I mean, what? It's only three years ago, four years ago. How long ago is it really? Four, twenty eighteen. Yeah, when I graduated. Yeah, I mean that's really really cool, and it's just it's um it, it's not like it's it's not far off from from where I, I remember you saying you'd, you'd like to be and what you'd like to do yeah. you know and um I don't know it's, just, it's really cool it's just a story people need to hear like um okay you're doing teaching in Texas and you're doing you just keep going you know keep going keep auditioning keep applying keep looking for things and hell four years later that's might be all it takes yeah Tracy right so talking about when you got the gig and everything, I know the the normal routine a lot of times when somebody goes in to a Broadway show is they go in, they watch the show from the pit several times, they record it, they take the book home, they learn the book, everything like that. And then at some point they get the call or whatever. Um, your process was obvious. I mean, one, six is a pretty new show. Um, mm -hmm. So there haven't been that many versions of it. So what kind of, what was the process as far as learning it and did you have any interaction with the other people that have been playing the show, like on Broadway and the West End, things like that, as you were trying to learn the book? Right. Uh, no, uh, I did not have any contact. I didn't know anything about the show at all. 
it was interesting because like my video submissions had no no six at all the guy that hires us just kind of watches all of our videos and assigns us to shows and boats and stuff like that and then we get to tampa where we rehearse for a month and that's the first time we really saw the show learned the music right there um it's interesting because the show's memorized so we had like you know a month to memorize it which i'm glad i did marching band all those years because i was not the one struggling to memorize anything um and then yeah it's just kind of like you have three weeks to four weeks and you learn the show and then you go do it for the next six to eight months it's interesting yet because the show is so new that the way that ncl got six so early in the game before it had blown up to the to the degree that it is now they really lucked out because now guests are coming on to c6 because they can't get tickets to broadway yeah i mean i know it's like a huge show that just kind of exploded um <laughs> my, one of my my oldest daughter listens to it a lot so i've heard a lot of the tunes and everything so oh come yeah. on tracy you you you're the one who showed it to hey, her. I dig, um, I dig the show, dude. It's a cool show. Tracy is our resident musical expert. Awesome. I mean, self-confessed Broadway junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a frozen junkie now. Um, oh. <laughs> which was also on Broadway. So you could just go play that, right? that show. We actually haven't, um, yeah, for how much traction my like little frozen uh, discussion got, it's... Um, <laughs> My 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 three year old and I actually haven't even gone through the whole thing. He just likes some of it. But um, anyway, I, I was going to ask you know, Paige, you're not just uh, the drummer. You're you play a character. It's one of those shows where each musician is a character. And I want you to give me like I don't I don't really know anything about Six other than what I've seen you share and little things you've mm -hmm. said and like some like brief googling before having you on today. But you play someone named Maria, right? Yes, and that's what I get called all the time. My name is not Paige anymore. It is just Maria. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Maria on the drums specifically. It's just uh -huh. everybody says that now. Um, yeah, so the show is about King Henry VIII and all of his six wives. And so the opening song, you know, each queen goes divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. And then it's a competition basically about who had the worst time with King Henry VIII. And so each song, each queen talks about their trauma or abuse or whatever happened with, with Henry. And then we get to the last queen and she's like, this is kind of messed up. Why are we comparing our trauma and abuse? Like we should stop making it about his story, like the way the history is spelled and make it about her story. And so then the last couple tunes about reclaiming their, their, their images as a woman and things like that. And we don't need him. Like, is he famous because of his six wives or are we known because of King Henry and stuff like that? And then it's all like female empowerment at the end. So <laughs> cool. Very, very cool. Tracy, do you have something about the character Maria? Yeah. So this, I'm going to let my full the musical theater nerd flag fly here. Um, Maria in the show is actually the most mentioned member of the band and the only member of the band that is ever mentioned in one of the wife's songs. Yep. Huh, and then I do a little cool. drum solo. So basically, the ladies in waiting is the band. And so if you know what a lady in waiting is, it's someone that like served the queens 
um, during that time. And so each of our character names, we are actually one of the queen's actual ladies in waiting. So I get named so much because I was Catherine of Aragon's, the first queen, the first divorced, um, the one from Spain, the gold one, if you have seen the costumes. Um, I'm her actual lady in waiting. So like when I posted that picture with the gold one, um, that's because she is technically my queen. So she, anytime that there's a moment where there's like a drum solo, she's like, give it up for Maria on the drums. It's always her saying it because she's my queen. Very cool. So how do you, how do you drum as Maria? I mean, I feel like you've always had a pretty like show like you just have a lot of showmanship when you play, play at all, but I think drum set especially, but how do you, how do you do Maria? Like how's Maria drum? Uh, there's definitely some sticking out of the tongue and some stick tricks uh, at the solo moments just to beef it up. But yeah, lots of smiles. I mean, we have acting moments too, like and a spotlight that comes on and they're always like, you know, a clap for Maria and stuff like that. So I'm giving them as much as I can during those moments. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. What, what is like, um, you have an audio rig? I'm curious about gear. I was just kind of curious, like, well, what's your setup yeah. like drums and everything? Yeah. We have this European brand of uh, V drums that uh, can go kill themselves, but anyway, they are awful. And it's just, it's just like it's. It was so refreshing to go play Stevie on a real kit because I'm so sick of this kit. But if you look at my setup, I also have the fake symbols as well. Whereas Broadway and the West End have switched to real symbols because the hi hat like does not work on any of them. It's awful. Like. You can't get the open sound to the closed sound and there's like a lot of finesse and detail specifically in the hi-hat part um so that can be frustrating and then it's interesting why it's a can't, pearl... so, so, so sorry what why can't you bring your own gear or your own hi-hat or swap out this right. for that because it's built into the sound system it's built into like the sound profile that they project into the speakers they have someone that has selected each sound on the drum set so in the brain as well and they control the levels of everything so, so they're, I they're, have, I have they're no electric control. drums yeah gotcha yeah yeah cool well uh yeah sorry continue though what else so it's a pearl brain which is interesting because there's lots of yamaha sounds on it um <laughs> but you know we've had problems a lot of problems with the brains i guess when they first started getting the show going they bought a bunch of the same brain and then there was something wrong with the chip so then like every drum set is having a problem with the sounds. So like I would hit the tom and the sound would like clip because there was something wrong with the, <laughs> with hey, the real quick, am I Am I correct in understanding the brain is the thing that has all like actual drum sounds on? Correct. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, are you responsible for the switching of that or is somebody at the board doing all of that for you? I have the responsibility and the ability because it's kind of locked sometimes um, the ability to like differ the triggers and how sensitive and not sensitive they are, but I can't touch the sounds. I get I get in trouble if I touched the sounds. I always um, I've, I've wanted an electric kit in my office for a while, I think just because my ears I'm getting old and my, mm -hmm. ears are, my ears are just tired, you know, and I don't know, it would just be so nice to hear like a full drum sound in my ears with low volume. And when I used to go to PASIC, <laughs> I haven't been in a really long time, but I'd always stop at the, like the electric drum area and just 
enjoy like whatever Roland or Yamaha was, was doing. And, um, the technology has gotten so good. So anyway, it's, it's a bummer to hear that. Um, yeah, maybe not, not at the moment for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish they would get the new Yamaha one, Yamaha ones. Cause they yeah, look amazing and they sound amazing. So yeah, there are, there are electronic kits that don't feel terrible to play on now. Yeah. Um, but I know yeah. that I think we had a very similar kit at a church I used to play at where my hands would just feel beat up by the time I got done playing. Cause you basically almost felt like you were playing wood underneath a little layer of like rubber covering it. So these ones are mesh heads. So like, I don't, I feel like I'm like just playing on a practice pad. Most of the time I'm not too exhausted or feel too beat out by the end of a show, but it's so, and then, and then when I played Stevie, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Cause I'm not used to having to play on real heads anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what, um, I bet a common question that you, you probably get is like, what, what's this gig's relationship to school? Like, I mean, you've been a music student, music major for six years. You got a master's degree. You mentioned you're glad you did marching band. It helped you memorize this, like, you know, the show, but you know, there's always that question, like, you know, do I have to have a music degree to do this job, whether the job is cruise ship, whether it's Broadway, whether it's symphony orchestra. So how do you, how do you like to approach that for, for people asking? Yeah, I would say with the gig that I have, I think you do need to have the job. Um, I think that's what kind of put me over other people that might have applied, having the ability to sight read music so well, not was comfortable memorizing things. Um, and also just like the showmanship that you and the discipline that you learn in school. Um, and they could see that in my videos. But if you are great at pop tunes, like there is a job for you on the boat. It's like I said, it's not as good of a paying job. Um, and you work every day of the week. So they have they have other opportunities on the boat where you can be in the country band and you learn the top 40s of country and you do the same three sets, however many days a week and however many times a day. Um, or you could be a party band and you could play at the pool deck and just do top 40 tunes, you know, and that would not require you, I would say that you need to have a degree to be able to do that because um, those tunes are everybody knows them so that wouldn't it's not as difficult i would say as having to memorize this with all of the acting extras and things that i have to do so do they, do they take resumes into consideration when they're hiring y'all yes i had to submit my resume and my cv yeah 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 it, it's always interesting answering that question because it's, you know, students say like oh you know i want to be a college professor that's one we get a lot and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you probably, yeah, of course you do need the, like, just the certification to, to get that job. But yes, do you need the certification? Does that mean you're going to be a good player? Like, well, I mean, gosh, no, of course, like they're, right. yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's kind of hard to answer that, but yeah. Interesting. You know, you've had. Hey, Casey, a, real quick, sorry, to, yeah. to follow up to that question, yeah. were there any other things on your resume uh, outside of school? Like, did you ever play at an amusement park or anything like that, that you felt helped build you up to this? Uh, you mentioned Marching Man, obviously. Uh, well, it's interesting because like, I had this gig before the pandemic, then it hit. And then I got other gigs kind of during the pandemic because, you know, Texas opened up relatively early. Um, and so I, other people saw that I, even though I'd only done six for like uh, a month, I got other gigs just from having that on my resume and then I could go back to six 
and you know then i've got now six for longer so hopefully that will continue and keep going but not too much before i never did an amusement park i'm hoping to do six flags over texas when i get back from this because the guy actually worked for Norwegian Cruise Lines. That is the music director there right now. So cool. I, I, you're doing six now, six flags. Maybe there's a yeah. resume. <laughs> Natural. Only six. <laughs> it, does it feel like that? Like, like, does it feel like you, you're you're making these connections? And even when this tour finishes, there, there's already like other things kind of marinating and brewing for you to to move on to next. I do. I mean, just because I've had this uh the in the the drummer from six on broadway has followed me on instagram and so like trying to get in there trying to move to new york eventually that's definitely in the works um and then all of these all of the actors this is the first american cast that isn't broadway so they all live in new york so now i've got like 10 singers that are like i need a drummer and, you know, we've, we've even just chatted about, well, I have musician friends in New York. Let's start a wedding band. Like, that could start us off when you move up there and things like that. So. That's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, you've been tearing up Instagram for a while now. And <laughs> I, uh, I always tell students, like, hey, you need to go tear up YouTube and Instagram. And I think they are appropriately discouraged. You know, they think, like, why? There's so there's so much, it's so saturated. And even if they do try for a little while, like they don't really break through, people don't really, you know, subscribe and follow the way they used to. And I've had people tell me like, well, Casey, you know, you got in uh, into social media and especially YouTube like early on. So that's why it worked for you. And, and then of course my response is like, well, I mean, I've been lapped over by people who started way later you know like people start far later than i do and mm -hmm. they're doing way better than i am you know i think adam tan has twice or three times as many subscribers as i do maybe four times now um and of course he started much later than i did so i mean i do think it is about what you put on there not necessarily just just when and you like page i mean it definitely on instagram yeah i mean you've got you got a bigger following than i do and i i, I think you started much later than i did so um I don't know. What's your advice to young musicians regarding like having a digital presence and doing stuff like Instagram? Yeah, I would definitely say only do what you want to do. It's so easy to see the clickbait and see like, oh, I've seen like people pour all this paint over their drum set and then they have like millions of views. And it's like, yeah, exactly. The eye roll. And I'm, I'm always eye rolling and like people are like throwing sticks at the drum and like that's so cool or something like that. I'm like, just play what you want to play and put yourself out there as the musician that you want people to see you as. And that's how you're going to get a following that actually wants to follow you. Because those people, they get the million views, they get a few followers and then people get bored and they unfollow them. It's not a consistent following. Whereas like even now I don't have the Wi-Fi to be able to post as much, um, but I haven't lost any followers because I'm not posting all the time this, you know, stupid stuff. It's like when I do post, it's quality and people want to keep following that. When, when you say do what you want to do and I kind of know some people like it really feels like a chore and, you know, they're playing what they want to play, but making a post even, you know, once or twice a week is really cumbersome and hard for them. Did you, did you have a period where you thought, yeah, this is what I want to play, but I don't necessarily want to make a post right now, but I'm going to push through it and I'm going to do it anyway, because it's important to do it steadily to get some traction. 
Yeah, I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to record a video every day or every other day. And then I got burnt out with like three weeks in. And I was like, I can't make a video anymore. Like, this is so terrible. Um, but and that's the other thing is like when you get that quality following, they understand if you need to take a break. And that's OK to like get burnt out. Just take a little break from doing the social media stuff. Or if you want to record what you want to record and you don't want to do the post, there's plenty of people that will post it for you. Like you can hire people. I have friends that don't really want to do the social media thing themselves. So they hire someone else to do it and they just provide the content and someone else will push their content forward. Yeah, I think um, like a really valuable attribute to you is you're just like super resilient. Like I just, I remember thinking, gosh, this, this girl doesn't get tired, you know, like marching band rehearsal all day, every day. And then this rehearsal, then this, then this extra thing. And then, you know, you're still over at brick house afterwards, hanging out and having fun <laughs> and we all might be tired, but you know, and it's just, it seems really important like to be, to be really resilient and, um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Have that like strong work ethic. Yeah, Ben. Paige, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that sort of social media manager thing you were just talking about. Um, but I've also, I've never heard of that either. Uh, does that how, about how much does that cost? And are those people also like providing, like, I need like this video or I need this picture? Like, are they giving advice or are they just simply like posting it when, you know, with a tag, when they get it from you? Yeah, I don't have an exact post. I, I do all my own posts. I don't have an exact price for you um, because I don't want to pay someone to do that. Uh, but I have friends and I can reach out and see what the price is. I know that I guess it depends on the person, but a lot of times it's you send them your content and then they will post it for you. And they have done the science about when the most people are, are, are online, when you're going to get the most pushes. Um, from the people that follow you so that it gets to the explore page and like then other people that don't follow you necessarily will see your stuff. Um, and there's like a bunch of science behind like reels versus posting a post versus a video and like how that can like get you the furthest out there and um, get you the most followers and the most views. It sounds like a weirdly analogous to like self publishing music. Mm. Like if you do it yourself, you can save the money, but it might not reach as far or something. Right. Yeah, I found that I, you know, can have a conversation with someone that has someone hired and then I, okay, I know the times um, to post or I know like, okay, if I do a reel, but it's over 30 seconds because you can post up to a, a minute that people lose interest. And so it's like you can figure out the tools yourself if you need to, or you can just pay someone else to do it for you. <laughs> I feel like it's tricky having uh, other, other people involved because uh, I don't know, it kind of turns into like a different kind of work. Like, well, now you have to mm -hmm. take, I don't know, you have to keep an eye on the person doing it for you. And I don't know, I'm, I'm sure the people who figured that out really well, they just learn like, yep, you trust your editor and you have someone right. who really knows what you like and have figured you out. And I guess that eventually happens. So we just had a special guest enter the room. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Let me get her in here real quick. So oh. do you know who this is, Paige? Yes. She's you the do? percussionist. Yes, on Broadway. <laughs> yes. Mariana. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, you guys, Hi. This, this is Mariana Ramirez. Hi. So I was going to introduce you, but Paige already knows who you are. Look at that. Oh, nice. I know who's Paige, too. Congrats. Thank you. Congrats, too. Broadway's open. Woo. <laughs> 
Yes, it's super exciting. Super, super exciting. How are you? I'm, yeah, I'm making it, doing well for, for now. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. That's great. So, so Mariana Ramirez is percussionist on Broadway. She's been on the show before as a percussionist to percussion ensemble long time ago, but yeah, she plays on six in six on Broadway. So, Hey, Mariana, are you, uh, do you want us to wait for you to park? (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm going going to work. So, but yeah, I'm ready. Oh, very cool. Thanks so much for joining us. So yeah, I guess, yeah, no introduction needed. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming. Paige is at work and you're just going to work. And um, I was going to ask Mariana, like, like, like what is so, what's such, why is six such a success? Um, I, well, I mean, I'm not really sure, like I'm not a producer or I don't know about money, but um, I think the story that we're telling is, um, is a, good story from a women's perspective and i don't think there's a lot of them right now on broadway uh, especially from a, like a women's perspective uh, because the history of at least the king and the royalty in britain and other countries is more about you know the king that chooses who's his queen and then they have couple queens and that's what we know but in this show, the queens are who they're telling their story, like how they met the same husband, how was the same husband, who had more problems with the same husband. <laughs> and at the end, um, it's more about um, sisterhood than competition. And I think that's a really important message in general, not only for women, like just for anyone that at the end of the day instead of being competing it should be more like to help each other or to like find a middle ground that we all share in our experiences so we don't have to feel threatened so I think um, people is very receptive to this and also the music is so much fun the costumes are amazing like people go crazy the queens are like uh such amazing performers John show he's like a concert like you go and see a pop concert you see a little bit of Beyonce a little bit of Britney Spears a little bit of um like other artists like that so he's yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so I think like all that together it's uh he's been very successful so we're really lucky um, I was going to say, so our audience now knows who, who Mariana is and they know kind of where, where Paige is at right now. And something Paige told me a long time ago is that, you know, maybe one day I, I'd like to play on Broadway and Mariana knowing like where she is here now and like just how fresh in her career she is. Do you have any recommendations as far as like um, roads to Broadway, I guess? Well, um, I don't know if there's like one road to Broadway. I like talking with different people. Everyone has like a different path. But um, I think Paige is on the right path. She's already playing a show in a cruise ship. And that's so cool. Like um, I didn't do that. But um, my path was like to start sobbing on Broadway here in New York City. Uh, since 2018, I did 
couple shows and then I got the tour of once on this island and I think that's what it helped me a little more to be on the map but um I guess um I mean you're on the right path and just try to you know like network uh try to get in touch with people that they're doing what you want to do uh keep those relationships like through the years uh because honestly like for me I mean I'm from Mexico City so when I was in Mexico in like 11 or 12 years ago I met the percussion is that after all those years was going to give me the first chance on Broadway so that relationship was like I don't know we knew each other for 10 years or so and I would never imagine that he would give me my first chance to play on Broadway from a concert that we played in Mexico a lot of years ago. So yeah, just like try to, you know, have good relationships and network and make friends and, you know, um, honest relationships, like just be yourself. How, how long, I feel like the thing I keep coming back to is like, it seems like people have to stick with it. Like, um, in fact, I know Paige, we, probably have discussion about you know should you move to new york city now or not and mm -hmm. i i i think i was sort of on the like i hope you don't you know like i okay. hope you don't it seems like such a long haul if you're just starting there fresh which i i can't speak much about i haven't done that you know i haven't tried to move to a city and like start completely fresh but the people I do know who are now making it in either New York or Boston or Chicago, like they stick with it for a very long time. And it can be um, a, a tough haul for a good 10 years before it kind of turns around to, to becoming the, the job they want it to be. Um, and I guess Marianne, I would just say like, how, how long have you been in New York city uh, doing what you can? I mean, yeah, I was one, definitely one of those people that took a while. Um, I went to school from 2010 to 2013 in New Jersey, and then I moved here to New York in 2013. But since school, I was trying to, you know, come here as much as possible and do gigs here as much as possible, uh, even when I was a student. So I've been here in New York City since 2013. So it took about eight years to get my first solving uh, gig on Broadway. Um, but there's other people that they don't even live in the city and they come and sub and at the end, or they get a show and they move here. So it's not like, that's my point that it's not like a straight road, like for everybody's a little different. Like I know my friend Jenna, she's another percussionist, an amazing drummer. She moved here because she got uh, the prom, something with the show, the prom. And then she got with the story and then she got something else. And, and she was not living here. So I think it just comes down to whoever you know. So um, if, yeah, that's why like my best advice is like get in touch with the people that are is doing what you want to do like music directors other percussionists other drummers uh composers like anyone that is doing what what you want to be doing and yeah again it's not a straight line like everybody has a different story 
but yeah, for me, it took me since 2013 to like go and meet people, uh, see some percussionists playing from the pit, uh, playing some workshops, um, and yeah, just stay in touch with the people uh, that I that I knew and that they're doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And be patient and be silent because there's a lot of things that they're gonna tell you, nope, it's not your time. Uh, so just like keep the eyes on the prize and be like, okay, maybe not now, but eventually it will happen. And yeah, eventually it will happen. Right, stick with it. Yeah. Mariana, I've got a question. Um, Am I right that your seat, the percussion seat on six, that's this is the first one, right? There's been drum set on all the shows, but you're the first one to have a percussion, the offstage percussion book. So what was that process like? Um, well, I was really lucky because uh, the show when it opened in 2019, it didn't have my book. So because of COVID and because they closed, there were some changes. Uh, Thank God for the union and um, our contractor. uh, Also, she pushed really strong for like to follow the for the show to follow the rules with the union, which means that every theater has a minimum of musicians, depending on how big is the theater. So our theater, the minimum is six. So there were four, so they added two more. Uh, so they had to um, uh, just make my book in like a couple of weeks. And I had to get there and so read it. And honestly, the first time I played the whole show, it was the first preview. So we had like one rehearsal with the music director, one rehearsal with the band, but everyone already played the show. You know, they were in previews before they closed. So, yeah, I just had to, like, that was when I was like, yes, like, I've been sight reading for all the gigs in New York all these years, and this is, like, the best way to, like, just put something that I've been working on all these years, because as a freelance, you show up and play. So, um, but, yeah, it was, it was great. It was very fun. Uh, it was exciting. And, yeah, it's, it's been great. So that's how they added the book. Were you involved in writing the book or coming up with what was going to be in it at all? Or did you just play what they came up with? Not at all, because they kind of combine the book of the electronics of the drum set and the electronics of the keyboard and then added a couple extra things. So in my book, because it's all electronics, I honestly play guitar, like a guitar patch. I play Crotalus patch. I play um violin strings patches uh brass patches so no i wasn't involved in what they wrote and the orchestrator is also very specific in what he wants for the show like um they wanted like very you know like a track so i'm part of the track um to say that but yeah i wasn't involved in that i was just given like this is what you're gonna play and also there was not really time like you just I wasn't in rehearsals like developing so I just had to be there and like play whatever it was written I know I'm hogging all the time right now um you so you are also considered an understudy for the drummer Maria yes yeah I'm gonna be on in that part not yet not yet it's been a little tricky uh with COVID like there was a couple times that I'm like okay now is my turn and no not yet. <laughs> so, I guess the other question is, if you do go in in that part, do they bring in somebody else to cover yours? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just right now with COVID, we need, I think, as more options as possible. Like if someone gets sick or something, like um, someone has to be able to step in for the show. So yeah, it's like a little different right now for Broadway. Hey, well, we have a question from social media. It's our good buddy, Jade Hales. Hey, Jade, thanks for the question. And I think we've we've answered this. This is for Paige uh, primarily because we're talking about cruise ship gig. But Jade asks, what's the risk reward of committing to a cruise ship gig? Are there oppor- do the opportunities on the cruise ship make up for what you might miss if you were just you know staying on land and able to be from home and do everything from home? Yeah, I think that the risk of being away is is definitely worth it because I'm making all these contacts and um, making all these connections here, not just with like the producers and the music directors and that, but also all the musicians that are on board that will eventually go home as well, back to New York, making those connections. Um, and like I said earlier, I had only done six for a few weeks before COVID hit the first time, and I did get a gig in New Jersey um doing working at a playhouse just because i had six on my resume before so it's like having having a cruise ship gig is definitely worth it and people like want you to come and do stuff with them after you have the gig well it's perfect i mean you're young like hey i get to go like see some of the world and it's like you it's the kind of thing you know i mean that, that would not be conducive for um someone like myself with a kid at home or tracy with two kids at home um, or Ben, who's like addicted to his like cooking fryer weird thing that he makes, <laughs> like he can't deal without that. <laughs> but I mean, right? It's like 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 I I doubt people do a cruise ship gig for twenty years, right? Uh, no, people definitely get used to doing a cruise ship gig. There are oh, lots cool. of people. We've got one of the guys who's married and has two kids. Uh, he's in Jersey Boys. And uh-huh. he keeps because the money is good is really good for the actors and they get to travel and so um he's cool. just sending the money right back home and it's able to help support his family back at home and he gets kids to keep acting and doing what he wants so and it seems like once you get into the cruise ship circle you're you can be in it for life if you want wow I imagine cool it, I'm, i imagine awesome. it's kind of like people that do like bus and truck tours forever because it's good money. They get to travel a lot. They get to see a lot of places. It's a steady gig. So, mm-hmm. yeah, seems awesome. Well, geez, hey, thanks so much, uh, Paige, uh, for for joining us, and Mariana for popping in. That was fun. Appreciate it. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, you're so welcome. So, uh, yeah, Tracy, Ben, and um, and everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you on uh, episode 313 next time. So, all right. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.